God who died. Thank you for being a maker well acquainted with sorrows. It helps us to remember that our own tears are not wasted for their origin is in the sacred sadness of you. Today we are heavy with a grief that has been building. We are filled with such a weight that we're beginning to feel nothing at all. We feel betrayed and confused and tired. Lord, please, not one more thing. Just let us live. Let us heal. Grant us rituals of remembrance that allow space for celebration, rest, and welling. And as we're healing, grant us a wisdom to know that we don't have to carry every sadness all at once. Walk with us as we protect our minds and bodies from despair. A liturgy, a prayer by Cole Arthur Raleigh. You know, I always say that Black history in America is taught as slavery, but Black history is not slavery. Black history is the freedom from it. Welcome to another episode of Stories Between Us, where the place where ordinary stories intersect in extraordinary ways so that one day a better story can be told. I'm Stu. And I'm Modi. And we want to record a special episode uh, in memory and honor of Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman, who many of us have come to love through many of his films, such as Black Panther, uh, Marshall, The Five Bloods, uh, even Jackie Robinson in 42 and James Brown and Get On Up. And he touched many of our lives, many of our hearts, not only through film. To many of us, he wasn't just simply an actor. To many of us, he was a big brother. He was a friend. He was somebody that we could find ourselves in. I mean, children all over the country as Black Panther traveled from the mind of Marvel to movie screens, gathered together with their classmates and administration, and they watched Black Panther, and they left never to be the same again. And so we are all in this moment, mourning. Yes. Not just simply the loss of Chadwick and the pain that his family is going through, but also the loss of somebody meaningful to all of us. And so we wanted to honor him in this episode to honor Chadwick Bozeman. Speaking of, um, you know, kids and administration and going to see the movie as a collective, uh, Dante used to be a middle school teacher, huh? When this movie yeah, came I out, did. 
I was actually, I was. And Tell me that story. Wow. Yes, yeah, so it's 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 a tough story, really. I mean, it is both encouraging, very encouraging, but also incredibly discouraging. So, so I'm teaching at a middle school, private Christian school, actually, and you know, I'm seeing people you know, around social media, like saying, you know, hey, we want to take our kids to go see Black Panther. And people really were doing it. I mean, people were, you know, really like, yo, this this really, I mean, this Black Panther as a movie was, you know, bigger than simply a Marvel movie. But in a very real way, for much of our generation, Black Panther uh, represented, you know, the first time in like big screen that we really saw somebody who was like Black. I mean, like incredibly black uh, and, and not just simply, you know, the black person on movie screens that, you know, are deadbeat fathers and drug dealers, et cetera, but somebody who exuded a certain type of dignity. So I saw people going to, I saw people doing this now and I was like, yo, like, I really want to do this. Like, I really want to take my students, you know, to go see Black Panther. The only problem was, you know, to rent out a whole movie theater costs a lot of money. Yeah, who's gonna pay for it? <laughs> like that's the question. Who going? Who? That is the million dollar question. Who gonna pay for it? And you know, when I brought up the idea, you know, to the administration, you know, for me, I, I was really gung ho about it. I was like very, you know, very excited about doing it because for me, it represented not simply like for me, it wasn't just simply you know going to a movie. Like for me, it really you know, it represented much more than that. It represented, you know, not simply seeing yourself on the TV screen, but, you know, a lot of times, you know, our heroes change us. Like really, they really legitimately change us. We find, mm -hmm. you know, our greatest weakness and our greatest strength in our heroes. Right. You know, we see the worst of ourselves and the best of ourselves. And, you know, we, we find a way to like, look at their lives and see how we can learn from their lives so that we can live better uh, and live more meaningful lives. And so I was like, you know, hey, let's do this. And so it didn't necessarily go over super well. I mean, it didn't, it just, you know, it didn't go over well. I mean, the, 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 the administration felt that, you know, going to see a movie in the middle of the day uh, was rewarding the kids as if, you know, rewards for children is a bad thing. And, yeah, I had to fight for that one. I fought for that one. And I put it out that I want to send my kids, you know, to go see Black Panther. And I just put it out on social media. And I was like, yo, this is what I want to do. And, you know, anybody who can donate really help me out, help me donate. And so the money started coming in. I mean, like, I mean, it started yeah. coming in, coming in, coming in. Yeah, so, I remember like, I sent you um I sent you some too and you were talking about how much support you were getting and how it was like a little overwhelming for you. Yes, it was. Yeah. It legit was so overwhelming like to see yeah, I forgot that you gave for real, for real. Like I, oh, it, I mean, I, it was, I didn't. That wasn't my point in saying that. I was no, know, no, no. Yeah. Actually, no, for real, for real. And that's the thing. That's the thing. I forgot that so many people were part of like making this happen. And I think this is something that 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 going to see this movie really did for us. Like it connected all of us to something just so meaningful. Yeah. Like 
it connected us to realizing that, you know, this was not just Marvel movie. Like it was ours right. as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, all of the characters were not just simply, uh, you know, the idea of Marvel, but they were like real people to us. And, you know, they were meaningful to us. And long story short, fought for it. We came up with the money and our children go. And I come back and I have an open discussion with my kids. Just just seeing, you know, what they thought about the film. Just seeing, you know, how they resonated with the film. And that discussion was so life-giving to me. Mm. Like, like if I did not teach another class, if I didn't teach another day, just simply seeing how joyful and just seeing how how honest they were about struggles, especially, especially in one of the scenes, I never forget one of the scenes when, when, when Chadwick goes to see his father, um, I think they called it the ancestral planes, if I'm not mistaken. And he goes back and he sees his father and he has a conversation with his father where he has to deal with deep pain, deep trauma, and he has to face his family. He has to face the struggle of what it means to live in another person's shadow. And so many of my children resonated so deeply with that because Black Panther was not, T'Challa was not the only person in pain. Having to struggle to face family, face things that's hard. Having to have courage. You know, seeing yourself as you know stepping up when you know you didn't really necessarily ask for it but you gotta you know you gotta adapt and adjust and so to hear my children not only see themselves in the film but draw so much from it really touched my heart and i believe that every single young person that saw that film and not all of my kids were black i mean i had white students in class as well and just to see them you know, really wrestle with, you know, the beauty of blackness in public in very dignified ways and to hear them talk in such beautiful ways about what they experienced and what they saw and the possibility of a movie changing in some sense what young white children thought about other black people yes. that they were socialized so deeply in our country with. It really, you know, yeah, it really, it really touched my heart. And I think, I think I will forever be grateful that we were actually able to do that. I will forever be thankful, you know, for everybody who donated and gave, you know, I, and, and really, you know, I, I think that they will remember that there was somebody who looked like them who fought for them and Absolutely. won. Right. That, it, it, you know, because in some, in, in some sense, you know, oftentimes, and this kind of even offshoots, oftentimes, you know, young children, particularly young children of color, see people who look like them, who fight for them, but oftentimes lose. Lose. But we fought and we won. 
and we went to Black Panther. I mean, my kids was like throwing up like Wakanda forever, like all <laughs> the rest of the year. I mean, they was like they <laughs> Wakanda was Wakanda forever was just like it, it was a certain sense of pride and dignity. It was it was so meaningful to them, and for them to be able to say we went to see that movie. And Mr. Right. Stu and others really fought for yes. us to go see it. You know, I really believe that, you know, that that blessed them as much as it blessed me. So, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's so um, representation is so important in any type of really like, you know, social movement, especially with children. We often talk about on this podcast how the children of today are going through things that that we would have never, you know, imagined to see. And whether that be because of social media, whether that be because everything is at our literal fingertips, or whether that be because it's just more prevalent and it's, you know, the hatred and injustices are louder today than they were when we were kids. Um whatever whatever reasoning there may be um the fact is is that they're still you know going through it and they don't have or you know up until just recently didn't have a lot of people that that looked like them really anywhere being represented well and um especially with like there's a cartoon now. I don't watch it, obviously, because I don't have any kids or anything. But there's a cartoon that that has like an Indian family on it. And the mom is like still wearing a sari and and all of this. And this is the first time that I've seen a cartoon with Indian people with an Indian family on it. Mm. And it makes me so proud to think that, you know, my little cousins are growing up in America with someone on TV that looks like them. And for a hero, for Chadwick Boseman to portray the Black Panther so elegantly and mm. with such poise and really artistic integrity um, to the character itself, I think that, that it showed, just like you said, both, you know, little... Um, little kids like whatever race that being being black was beautiful you know mm. whether they were telling themselves that or whether children of other races were telling them that now as well and mm. um did you see ryan kugler's um what do you call i don't know if you call it a eulogy or a yeah I don't know. yeah his kind of um his like reflection, his statement. Yeah, reflection. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. his reflection. Yeah, that joint was yeah, lit. Yeah, did you read it? Oh my god. Yeah, gosh. I did. I did. It was uh it, it was hard to get through. And, and it was hard. It was hard. Yes. And the way he talked about um about Chadwick Bozeman like during the recording process and the beginning of Black Panther and how much integrity that Chadwick Bozeman took in that one character, like in a sense, I, I want to say that he knew what impact this would have before before it even, you know, came out, before it was even a topic of conversation. Hmm. Um, but I think that was the most beautiful part about Chadwick Boseman was that um, 
he had enough enough integrity to only play roles that uplifted his own people mm. and told the stories of black history. You know, mm. I always say that black history in America is taught as slavery, but mm. black history is not slavery. Black history is the freedom from it, the liberation from it. I think that is black history. Yes. I think the really injustice that that's been taught obviously through revisionist history mm -hmm. and really only teaching black history as slavery um put in the heads of generations of people that that's all that this one race of people can do you know what mm -hmm. i mean and as mm -hmm. as unfortunate as that is um that's the way that they meant it meant it to be to keep to keep oppression and um, I think Chadwick Boseman knew that he had the platform to to not only free himself, but free children who were also taught that black history is only slavery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's real. And I think I think, you know, in some sense about art, that that becomes the power of art as a medium for, you know, building a certain type of legacy Art as a medium. Right of protests against uh, such dominant anti-black narratives when it comes to art. Uh, art becomes, you know, a way where we can, in some sense, remember history, but rewrite history, rewrite a better mm -hmm. story. Uh, art becomes a way where we tell the truth and be honest. Uh, as James Baldwin mm -hmm. would say, you know, in some sense, it's the artist, you know, who is our strongest arm when it comes to building a new world. And even as I read like Ryan Coogler's uh, a reflection, I'll read a little bit of it real quick. Uh, we, we can, in some sense, we see the beauty of Chadwick Boseman's life as an artist. Mm. Like in some sense, his life, he was an artist. His life was an artist and everybody he touched was his canvas. I mean, you 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 don't have to know him, but he literally like we were his canvas. His mm -hmm. life was a, a in some sense a just a demonstration of love, and I, and his life touching our lives through the medium of film, through his speeches, uh, just through even his social media presence, you know, really. I mean, he really loved us. And and, and I think mm. one of the things that, that, that we must remember that, that, you know, no one knew in public, at least I, I don't think anyone knew in public, you know, the struggle and the suffering that he endured. Like Chadwick literally was loving us while dying. Mm -hmm. He was loving us while dying. And this is what Ryan Coogler uh, said about... Chadwick, he says, in African cultures, we often refer to loved ones that have passed on as ancestors. Sometimes you're genetically related, sometimes you're not. I had the privilege of directing scenes of Chad's character, T'Challa, communicating with the ancestors of Wakanda. We were in Atlanta in an abandoned warehouse with blue screens and massive movie lights, but Chad's performance made it feel real. I think it was because from the time that I met him, the ancestors spoke through him. It's no secret to me now 
how he was able to skillfully portray some of our most notable ones. I had no doubt that he would live on and continue to bless us with more, but it is with a heavy heart and a sense of deep gratitude to have ever been in his presence that I have to reckon with the fact that Chad is now, is an ancestor now, and I know that he will watch over us until we meet again. Ryan Coogler. Those words bless me. Yeah. <laughs> and they're so sad. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. And they're so, so sad. sad. Oh, my God. They're so sad. And I think this is one of the challenges about death that we struggle with is the finality. Mm-hmm. There is a part of there's a part of the person that we will never get back on this side. And all we're left with in some sense is memories. And we're trying to hold on to that as much as possible and take those memories and trying to use those memories as material for meaning. It's so sad to think about, um, to think about Chadwick Boseman in a, in a term of, I guess, like past tense, you know, Mm. like it's so sad to think about um, how much more, I guess he, he had to do how much more he could have done. And I guess that's like one of the most admirable things about, about him Mm. is that he knew his, he knew his purpose and he relentlessly pursued it he did not you know give anything up he didn't fall short of 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 any i guess earthly desires you know Mm. what i mean like Mm. like he was he was very purposeful in living out his purpose and um yeah and whether that may be because he knew his diagnosis you know four years ago because he knew this, he he decided to live it out or just live as as freely as he could. Mm. And in some sense, I guess that that's the comforting part mm. is to know that he that he very peacefully has has gone. Like he he went in his home, him him and his estate, you know, got the solace in releasing the information mm. as they saw fit and um nobody knew Mm. and you know he didn't want pity from anybody he didn't ever want anything to be because of him because of his 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 diagnosis he knew that that he had something to say Mm. and um and he was you know as tremendous of an actor as he was he was an amazing speaker oh yeah i've been watching yeah, I watched some of his speeches and I watched them again, but for some reason, you know, they hit different yeah, they now. Do hit, yeah, they do hit different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they hit different. And he really like I'm I'm sad to say that I didn't know how how beautiful of a speaker he was, you know, while while he was here. There's this idea of giving people your rose while they're or giving people their roses while they're still alive. Mm. that you know joiner lucas put out with that will smith song that i think is great too but um yeah i think i think that there's a 
collective collective grief happening in society over his death Mm. i think that i think that it's not only like you know mourning as as individuals but it's like a collective mourning of really truly losing someone that had just a pure soul and pure purpose and pure light like everyone the thing that's consistent i think in in almost everyone every celebrity statements was how bright of a smile he had like Mm. how much he really like worried about other people how much he really just wanted to make sure that they were good Mm. and what he did by you know giving those movies doing his own stunts like really really putting into his passion that all, all while he was sick is one of the most selfless things that I've witnessed as far as, you know, celebrity goes. Mm. Mm. That's real. And I, I don't want to go back to something particularly, you know, about, you know, his inner circle, not letting that seep through the cracks. Like that takes a lot of love. So much love. Like, so much trust. So much trust. So much love. Like, I mean, really so much anguish too, because you know, like, this is a terminal illness. And you having to hold that is also trauma and grief. But they loved each other so deeply that they didn't even let that seep through the cracks. And I just think that that's profound. And I hope. It is profound. Yeah. I hope that, you know, and not even necessarily, you know, when it comes to a terminal illness, but I hope that I would be a certain type of person, you know, that someone, as they share, you know, their struggles and they invite us into or invite me and others into that struggle, that I would see that, yo, when people let you into their struggles, like that is holy ground. That's sacred. Like that is that, that really for me at least, you know, that's sacred. That is like is. The, that's like in the Bible, you know, there's this one scene uh of Moses' life where Moses is now in the wilderness after leaving Egypt. And it's a scene that, you know, a lot of us, you know, kind of understand uh, we kind of heard about as kids. It's like, you know, Mer- Moses at the burning bush. Uh, we hear that story of, you know, the burning bush, the burning bush. Uh, but I think, you know, in some sense, that's not just like, you know, a cool Bible story, but that's, that's just like a real thing. Like, you know, oftentimes, you know, burning, the burning bush represents, you know, the place of our most honest struggle where, where we are fully ourselves, where we're fully honest about our struggle, where we're fully vulnerable uh, and authentic in that place, like that place was only with Moses and God, <laughs> like everybody and their mama wasn't there. Like it was just Moses and God. And when people invite us into that space, like that's sacred. And I just hope that I will become someone that, you know, that loves someone that deeply, that the most sacred hard part of your life that I honor that with the most profound and deep love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that really shines a light on 
making sure that the people that surround you that are feeding you, feeding your spirit and feeding your brain, health and well-being are people that truly deserve to. You know what I mean? Yes. Like people yes. that have a seat at your table. Yes. And um I think it really shines a light on like the strength of a community, the strength of like your own village mm. and how important that is to spiritual growth, you know, and really mm. purposeful living. Cause as as much as as much as our society now would like to glorify being alone and, you know, being able to make it on your own, it would be a shame to think that that someone would think that 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 they could truly do it alone. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Like and and be happy and be purposeful and really touch other people the way that you want them, you yeah. know, to feel, the way that you want them to be loved and touched by you. So um yeah, I was I was just thinking about that too. Like like I guess in, in self reflection terms, is my circle is my circle one that would that would honor me the way that the way that they honored Chadwick Boseman? Mm, that's real that's real yeah that's real that's uh, yeah that's and really you know that's 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 not simply you know a question of reflection for ourselves but also you know a question of reflection for you know yeah like you said our friends and 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 the people that we're around is what circle are we around and even what type of people are we you know becoming and I think that's the question that Chadwick forces upon us, not in a sense of, you know, hey, like, you know, like, what type of person are you becoming? You need to do better. But like, you know, he really gave us a beautiful vision of what it means to become fully alive in the midst of struggle. Like to be able to get diagnosed in 2016 and to you know go through that the the struggle the emotional struggle of that the stages of grief that people go through that's very normal to go through all of that but to give so much in the midst of it to to, to the willingness to keep on becoming the willingness to show up every day the willingness to cry the willingness to stop the willingness to you know take a little bit longer than necessary, but also a willingness to say, you know, this is something that I must do. You know, I think that's a challenge to each one of us to realize, you know, that I guess I can get real preachy real quick. You know, you know, don't put a period, you know, where God wants to put a comma, you know, uh, don't, don't, don't allow in some sense, you know, that which, you know, should be, should, 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 be a moment of, you know, keeping going to, to allow that to say, you know, this is the end. Because I think, you know, I think it's normal to say, I'm done. And and rightfully so. But I think also to look at Chadwick's life is to say, there's the possibility, even as a midst of struggle, to keep on going. And I think I think that makes his life so much more beautiful to us that that really gives us, you know, 
Yeah, a certain type of vision of being fully alive in this moment. Yeah, even in this moment, like 2020 has been a hard year. I mean, such a hard year. Like, it's an incredibly hard year. Like, it's like abnormally hard. Yeah, abnormally hard. (laughs) Abnormally hard year. Yeah. And, And we're going through so much, like you said earlier, you know, we're all experiencing such collective grief. And I just wonder, like, like, what do we learn from his life that you see, like, how to navigate your own grief, your own struggle? Like, what is it about him that you see in him that, you know, that helps you through that in some sense? Um, you know, recently I've been really struggling with the idea of purpose, And with the idea of trying to find, I guess, my purpose, like, you know, I'm, I love to do so many things. I'm passionate about so many things, but, um, last week, one of my friends asked me, you know, out of, out of everything that you do, which one is your passion? And I didn't really know how to how to answer that question because I have so many of them, Mm. but, um, I, if I had to take everything away, if I had to take truly, if I didn't have to worry about rent food, like if my life was still the same way and if I could do one thing, it would be painting. Wow. Although I love, although I love this, although I love my like, abolitionist work although I love this podcast like if I could truly just choose one thing that I just really enjoy doing it would be painting Wow! right and um I love this work and I believe that my purpose has something to do with this work Mm. I believe that art is is you know a hobby but there's something that draws me to the work that you and I are doing that really makes me feel like this is a part of, of my purpose mm. at, at, in, in some stage, you know? Mm. And um, I am in awe of the way that he lived out his purpose. A lot of people kind of debate whether or how they would be if they had a final date for their death. Mm. That's a conversation that mm. that I've had before. Like, if if you knew the day that you were dying, how would you act mm. before that? Wow. Right? Like, what would you do? Would you live out like your wildest fantasies? Would you do everything mm. earthly that you needed to do? Or would you really just like try and live your best peaceful life? Mm. And um I think him working in his purpose and continuing that, even though he had an end date, even though he knew that it was going to be a terminal illness, um, kind of inspires me to be as dedicated and as passionate about my purpose whenever I figure it out, whenever it speaks to me, um, have something to say as much as he did Mm. you know what i'm saying like be as convicted in your passion and in your purpose as he was 
And although I have conviction in my own being, I know that I know that I have something to say, but I'm not like there, there are pieces of my purpose that I'm missing. I know I have something to say. I know what I would like to say, but I don't know to whom I would be speaking. I don't know Mm. who my audience would be. And that's crucial, right? Like, I know that I know that the work that you and I are doing are part of of my purpose, but where does it fall? And why haven't I figured it out yet? You know what I mean? And so I guess that that for the past, especially the past few days has really been on my mind. And um, ever since he died, I've been thinking about that more and more. And it's inspiring in a way that is also motivating because I'm eager to find it out, to live it as he lived his. Mm. Mm. Wow. That's so real. That's so real. And, and, you know, it reminded me, um, even as you were talking, um, it reminded me of this poem not even a poem. I, I think you would call it a poem. Um, he calls it a poem, a nod, a nothing to lose. It's called For Everyone by Jason Reynolds, uh, who is just an astounding, astounding writer. Uh, the the ambassador, the national ambassador of young people's literature, um, the author, artist, poet, just brilliant, brilliant brother who is really trying to recapture in some sense stories of young black people lives of purpose and it's so crazy i I came across this joint that he wrote he was talking about young people and he was talking about he, he just wrote this he said people in my family the quote unquote responsibles whom i argued and disagreed with never knew that I could see that the remnants of this same common meltdown that may have happened to them 40 years prior were still there hiding beneath their tongues. And for some reason around this time, I also met quite a few teenagers who carried with them an unfortunate particularity. He says, it was as if their imaginations had been seatbelted, kept safe from accidents. Sure, they still had adolescent gusto but only in speech. When asked about their dreams and passions, though, many could only answer halfway. They could admit that the dreams were real, that there were things they wanted to say, to do, to see, to make, but they couldn't get past how foolish it is to be foolish. Hmm. Wow. And I think about that, like, the audacity of doing what one would believe to be foolish the audacity of living you know right in such a way that is passionate that's that's courageous that's patient that's just audacious to live that way to find one's purpose is in some sense like the life that he lived and the life that we can as well. And so I do, I I mean, I resonate with that. 
I resonate with that of, yeah, you know, really, yeah, yeah. How can I, what can I do today that will help me become the person I want to be tomorrow? Right. And the next day. And the next day. And the next day. Yeah. yeah. And, and really um, what I've been thinking about is who do I want to be for, for my heirs that won't know me? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I say this all the time. History has its eyes on you. Yes. But yeah, I that who am I making, you know, the the right decisions to to like be be talked about later. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like like am I making brave enough decisions to make a difference to not just like, you know, simply live a good life, although there's obviously nothing wrong with that everybody has their own part in this world everyone you know has has a a gear in the in the in the clock but for me for for what for what i feel god draws me to i think that there's something larger so am i making mm. enough brave decisions mm. to to be able to to make it happen mm. yeah because yeah, chadwick wow. boseman made made brave decisions all the time he did he did he did. You know what I'm saying? He and he even he even his last decision was a brave decision mm. to to want to die in his home, mm. to want to not tell anyone. Mm. All of these were were brave and courageous decisions and they're so decisions again that have such conviction of of his own like true self and self-knowledge that it's inspiring. Mm, wow. That's real. That's real. And that, you know, he inspires so many. He inspires so many. And I believe that, you know, the way that he inspired each of us, you know, get an opportunity to inspire another. And that's what, you know, in some sense, Modi, that's what we want to do in this podcast. You know, our, our podcast, in a very real way, is centered around stories to inspire. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Stories to inspire, to, in some sense, become what we can see for ourselves in the future. And I think that, you know, stories, the, the medium of story, uh, becomes a powerful, powerful way to accomplish that. And that was the way that Chadwick Boseman touched our lives. He touched our lives yes. through the medium of story. And we believe through stories. You know, that our stories together, as we tell that story together, that we can, you know, one day hopefully, you know, tell a better story of all of us. So we wanted to end this joint with a eulogy to Chadwick Boseman. And I'll, I'll tell just a tad bit of the story of the eulogy and then I'll, I'll recite it. I was sleeping. I fell asleep. We were out of town. And my wife tapped me on my knee as I'm dreaming. I'm listening to my Headspace app to help me go to sleep. I got my headphones on. I'm laying down in darkness. She taps me. She says, Do you, did, you, did, you, did you see the news? Because she thought I was up. He said, did you see the news? I say, no. I respond to her. I say, no. She tells me Chadwick Boseman died. 
and it's 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 tough because for me it's personal because I was going through a very hard time in 2018 when we saw Black Panther. I was going through a very hard time in life, having to make some courageous decisions. We're struggling even with my own identity of being black in this country. And then Chadwick and even the character of T'Challa, I saw myself. I saw myself having to face my fears, my struggles, my doubts, my sadness, my rage and anger. And I had to figure out a way to move forward. And so when she woke me up, I felt like a part of me died because that's how much he meant to me. So I woke up the next morning. I could hardly go back to sleep. So I got up the next morning at five. I sat down at my computer as I do every morning to write. And I wrote these words. A eulogy. When I heard you left, I was asleep. My wife woke me out of my dream and I woke to a nightmare. Little did I know a hero of mine and many would leave us with shadows and dreams of a world to come, but a people we can be. What do we do when a hero is gone? You cry and you cry. You cry because heroes don't just leave us, they leave us dreaming. They leave us with faint memories of time and treasures. When we put our black arms across our black chest in a white world and we scream Wakanda forever. A cry, a prayer, a sermon. Wakanda forever. <clears throat> Though many never knew you or met you, we saw kings and queens, princes and princesses. We knew you because we knew ourselves and what we saw is beauty. We never knew what pain you endured to show our beauty, but we knew. We knew you, you knew us, and so we cry. We cry because you are gone. We are here and we must be brave because we are living. We die, yes, but we also live. So let us live now, forever, Wakanda. Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman.